guys are excited about tonight as I am. Tonight we get to jump right back into our uh, Majoring on the Minor series. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the prophet Zephaniah. Um, and if you haven't had a handout, please raise your hand. Uh, we can get you, get you a handout tonight. That's a good job. Everybody got a hand? All right. Um, so <laughs> try to give you a couple of announcements for tonight. Um, this coming Sunday during second service, we will have our uh, new members class. So anyone that's interested in membership, anyone that's wanting to know what TWBC is all about. Um, and if you are already a member here, you are welcome to come to that class. Uh, if this is something that you are interested in doing, because maybe sometimes you just haven't really uh, understood or heard what we are all about. This is where we dive into our um, uh, statement of faith. This is where we dive into, into the um, structure of the church itself. So you are all more than welcome. Just call the church office tomorrow, make reservations, or just come on in on second, second service at 1030 this coming Sunday. Also, uh, for all the ladies, kindle the flame for the church uh, group that usually go has been canceled. If anyone has put a deposit down, uh, please uh, call the church office so we can go ahead and get you a refund back. Uh, but it has been canceled this year, uh, so I want to actually make you aware of that. And base groups, if you haven't signed up for a base group, uh, base groups are going on. Uh, and what base group is, is Believers Associated for Strength and Encourage. And if you have not, and I can't stress this enough, this is something that's very personal to me, if you have not joined a base group, if you have not get the, got that group around you, that's going to hold you up, lift you up, walk with you, help disciple you. This is what base group is all about. We don't believe in leaving anyone behind here at the Way Bible Church. In order for us to be a strong church out there, we need to be a strong church in here. We need to have unity, and this is where our base groups come in at. So if you, don't have, uh, if you have not signed up for base groups, uh, you can do it from the app. Uh, you can also do it from the website. Or uh, call the church office and we can get you set up and uh, go from there. So, getting right on into the minor prophet Zephaniah. How many of you have heard a sermon on Zephaniah? <laughs> and that's how I got it. <laughs> so, um, I, and, and I told Jeff, he said, anyone in particular you want? I said, don't worry, just, just give me whatever. And uh, he was really quick to give me Zephaniah. Um, Zephaniah, um, the, the book of Zephaniah is a very, it's a small book, but it's an extremely powerful book. Uh, it is I've actually learned a lot um, studying on Zephaniah. Also, I, I've had to do a lot of repenting while I was uh, studying on Zephaniah. Uh, and, and been able to talk to you tonight about it, it's, it's not just for uh, you guys to receive what I think God wants you to hear, but it's also what he has already, what I've received from it. And I know tonight that I'm going to get more revelation on, on what Zephaniah was talking about. Uh, the most well-known biblical figure bearing the name Zephaniah is the son of Cushy. Cush, I don't know how you pronounce it. And great-great-grandson of King Hezekiah. Ninth in the literary, literary order of 12 minor prophets. Maybe this is why Jeff had given me this. Uh, uh, Cushy is actually a... <laughs> It's actually an Ethiopian name. So there's a possibility that Zephaniah could be a black guy. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, he prophesied in the days of Josiah, ruler of the kingdom of Judah. 
Um, that's in uh, 641 to 610 B.C. And was contemporary with Jeremiah, with whom he had much in common. He also, uh, during this time, Habakkuk was also another prophet that was uh, there uh, during this time as well. Under the two preceding kings of Judah, Ammon and, uh, of Judah and Manassas of Judah, the cult of other deities, especially Baal and Astarte, had developed in the holy city, bringing with this elements of alien culture and morals. Josiah, a dedicated reformer, wished to put an end to the perceived misuse of the holy place. One of the most zealous champions and advisors of this reform was Zephaniah. His writing remains one of the most important documents for the understanding of the era of Josiah. Now, kind of give you an idea of what um, Zephaniah was dealing with during this time. Um, king Manasseh, if you, you guys know anything about him, he was probably the most wicked king in Judah's history. Um, he actually was also one of the kings who reigned the longest. Uh, he's probably had the one of the longest reigns as, as well. Uh, and some of the things that he was doing, uh, this dude was sacrificing people. He was even sacrificing his own sons. Uh, he was killing babies. He, they they um, erected um, idols. They all erected idols in the temple as well. And that's where you kind of think about that, erecting idols in the temple of God. I mean, you've got to be very bold or very disrespectful, disrespectful, especially in the Old Testament, because the temple is where God rested. This is where God came, and this is where people met and talked to God. And they turned it into a place of idol. And this is really one of the things that really kind of jumped out on me. Um, you know, what kind of idols that I have in my life. It really caused me to examine my heart and think about what type of idol, idols that I was having in my heart. I'm a big, with my phone, I can't stand to see notifications on my phone. Come on. None. <laughs> and my wife has about 10,000 emails on her phone. She might as well just... <laughs> Be done with it. So I can be in church with my phone itself, and, and, and we are looking at the Bible verses through the phone, and I just so happen once we're done with the Bible verse, I close it, and I see one of those little icons. There's one notification. I have a choice right then and there. Do I go ahead and, and, and look at my idol and get that notification, or I still pay attention to what God has given me? I'm guilty of that. I am so guilty of that. Uh, so, you know, this, this was really talking to me. And it says the life and dead things. King Manasseh was one of the most evil kings of biblical times during the majority of his leadership. Now get this, his son, King Amon, after King Manasseh had, had died and, and King Amon had took over, he was more wicked and evil than his own father. I don't know if it's because he survived the sacrifices or what, but uh, he was more wicked than his own father to the point where his own people assassinated him. He only served for about two years, but he was still on the same track uh, of where his father was going. Since King Amon was on the verge of the, being, the wor being worse than his father Manasseh to the point he was assassinated. And looking at this first point, 2 Kings 21 and 3, for he, and this is Manasseh, rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. I kind of want to talk about Hezekiah and, and the, the, the thing that, what, what is really strange to me is how Manasseh and Amon turned out to be the way that they were. King Hezekiah was one of the most godly 
kings uh, after David that, that Judah has seen. So how can we have such a separation, a degree of separation between one king and the next? This is something that's in our heart that we need to examine. There was something that wasn't right. There was something that he uh, apparently was getting um, feedback from other people, or for that matter, he, he was listening to the enemy and, and went on ahead and did what he wanted to do. This is something that we really got to be careful for, careful of. Uh, and, and one of the things that Pastor Joel has said years ago, and it's, it's so true for me, what's in your heart will come out your mouth one way or another. And if you really want to know what's in your heart, when you get angry, what's the first thing that comes out your mouth? So, uh, just kind of, you know, really want to think about that. So, here we go. Father, and he erected altars for Baal and made Asherah as Ahab king of Israel had done and worshiped all the hosts of heaven and served them. Manasseh erected altars to Baal and made an Asherah pole as Ahab king of Israel had done. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshiped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord of which the Lord had said, in Jerusalem, I will put my name. In the two courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his own son in the fire, predicted divinations, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritualists. Mm. Don't raise your hand. How many people check your horoscope? Do we check the newspaper before we check the Father on what we're doing in our life? You know, in a culture that we have today, we're so, we'd have been so accustomed to worshiping dead things. Uh, one of the most popular shows in, in, in our modern time is The Walking Dead. And The Walking Dead, I, and I'm not, I'm not killing that show, I'm not saying it's a, it's a bad show, but I want you to kind of get an idea. Uh, you know, we talk about a, a, a zombie apocalypse or, or things like that, but we are actually been taught and learned how to survive with dead things. When Jesus has said, call it out. We're, we're here to bring, out, bring dead things to life. We're here to bring dead things to life, so you should be saying, Lazarus, come out. Come out of there and loose it and let it go. This is what we need to do, and not, not trying to figure out how to survive around dead things. We need to be able to call those things out. Idolaters are condemned by God because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Romans 1.25, it says, Creation and creatures are not the problem. The problem is fallen human hearts that worship these false gods, gods instead of the holy and happy God. So, so we hear these stories in the, in the Old Testament about these prophets, about how God is going to rain fury upon them and how he's going to destroy them if they don't um, turn back to him. And, and, and looking at these stories, looking at how King Manasseh and King, King and his son Ama did, you know, God said he's a jealous God. There should be nothing ahead of him. Nothing. You know, even my wife, she tells me all the time, she said, you know, you're not the most important thing in my life. God is. And at first, I was like, what you mean? I'm Carmel Glaze. <laughs> but, when both of us are focused on the king, That's right. we're meeting in the same point. Yeah. And we're going to grow together, and we're supposed to be there to lift each other up. We're supposed to be there to grow with each other. 
Now, the book of Zephaniah, he, he, he kind of had some hidden things, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of theolo theologians have said that uh, the book was kind of set to where uh, he can see what was going on right away, but he also was able to see things to come much farther away, things that were not able to happen during his time. And what that, what that means is uh, he was able to see what they call the day of judgment, the great day of the Lord. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, but I kind of got something, a little, um, kind of little activity we can kind of do together. I got uh, about six, five or six pictures I want to show you. And it's kind of just give you a little idea of, 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 the, of a hidden message. And if you, 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 when you approach the word and what you're looking for here, and the Holy Spirit is talking to you and guiding you, you can find the hidden message in between these words. So we got the first picture up. Not that one. All right. Amazon.com. We've all seen that. But there's also a hidden message behind Amazon.com's logo. What you see here is the logo. It looks like a smiley face, which it actually is. But what Amazon is trying to tell you uh, subconsciously is we have everything you need from A to Z. A to Z. Next slide. FedEx, this is one of my favorite. This is actually one of the first ones that I actually found and, and, and figured out myself. But you look at the FedEx um, uh, logo, we see it everywhere. Uh, just kind of looking at it, it just looks like, you know, five, five letters. But if you look at it closely in the E and the X, it actually points to an arrow. FedEx directly to you. <laughs> Next slide. Milwaukee Brewers, it's, a, it's an actual baseball team up in um, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And um, what you're looking at there looks like a catcher's mitt. They are a professional baseball team, but can you see the other two hidden items? We got the M and we got the B for Milwaukee Brewers. Next slide. This one actually is a little bit more, you can kind of see that a lot better. You can see the two lions. I mean, the lion and the, and the gorilla and as well as the tree, so that one's actually pretty easy. And we got the last one. Spartan Golf Club. I'll give you a minute. <laughs> Do you see the Spartan helmet? That's pretty dominant, but also the hidden feature is the guy swinging the golf club there. And I think I got one more. Everybody that has a party has chips and salsa. You can kind of see the two people sharing a chip in the dip with the two T's in the I. <laughs> so Zephaniah, it, it, he, had a, he had a hidden message in it. And it kind of goes with, along with the name of Zephaniah himself. Uh, Zephaniah's name means Yahweh has hidden. And you can, you can approach that from all different kinds of angles. Yahweh has hidden. I mean, Zephaniah was royal bloodline. He was, he was actually kin to King Manasseh. And if you think about it, if he didn't have any problems sacrificing his own sons, what's a relative? He could have been hid for that. Or you look at it from the other side of it is, is um, God was hiding him for a specific purpose. He was hiding him for a specific purpose. 
And we all in our walk, in our Christian life, you know, we, sometimes we can, we can ask God, we can wonder, Lord, what am I here for? What are you doing for me? What is, what is it just for instance, the church here? Why am I at this particular church? What are you wanting to show me? How many times have you found yourself in situations where you could have been the champion for somebody else? God has hidden you for a specific, for a specific purpose. He has called you to do specific things in life. You know, a, 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 a single dad that may need help on, on combing his kid's hair, I know that would have been me if something, God forbid, something would happen to my daughter. But if single dad, and, and you know, you got these moms that say, hey, look, this is what you can do. This is how you can do it. This is how we as a body can come together to be the secret agent to be able to come to somebody else's rescue. Yahweh has hid. But what, what I think the, 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 the real key behind that is Zephaniah is the only book in the Bible that has mentioned uh, the day of the Lord more than any other Old Testament book. And we'll get into that a little bit. But three keys to the book of Zephaniah. God is sovereign over all nations. Zephaniah 1.18 Neither their silver or their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy... The whole world will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end all who live in the earth. That's pretty harsh. That means that was a pretty ticked off God at those people. And going back to, to where it says Yahweh has hidden, and the, the key to that, King Josiah, before he was even born, was prophesied 300 years before he actually took the king, kingdom to, to be able to take the, key, the, the kingdom back to, to God. God knew what Manassas, Amon was going to do at this time. 300 years prior, he was able to, to, to prophesy and mention it by name that King Josiah would be the king to be able to be the redeemer. There's more to that as we get along here, though. Um, the wicked will be punished and the righteous will be vindicated on the day of judgment. Zephaniah 2, 3, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. You who do, want to, you who do what he commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you'll be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. And number three, it says, God blesses those who repent and trust in him. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I, for one, have really never got into to the book of Zephaniah until uh, this particular series, but we've all heard the John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But listening at that last verse, Zephaniah 317, that's what I need to put on that, 317. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Amen. I want to talk a little bit about the main and overall focus of, of the book of Zephaniah. He talks so much about the day of the Lord. It says, Zephaniah mentions the day of the Lord more than any other book in the Old Testament. Zephaniah's primary target for God's message of judgment, the nation of Judah, had fallen into grievous sin under the reign of their king Manassas. 
Zephaniah 1, 12 says, At this time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor he will, will he do ill. Something very key, and I kind of want you guys to hold on to this until the end of the uh, message. It says that those who say in their heart, what's in your heart is going to come out. We can put a good picture, a good face on, but what's in our heart will come out. If we're hurting in our heart, it will come out. If there's love in our heart, it's going to come out. There's deceit, it's going to come out. I want to talk about truths of judgment. A lot of times we hear that, you know, God is going to judge or the great day of the Lord, we immediately, and I know for me, I grew up in a hellfire and brimstone culture. It's, you, and it was more of a fear tactic of me coming to the Lord than the love that the Father wanted me to see. So I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, 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 about judgment tonight. And this will be pretty much the bulk of my message. And if you don't get anything else out of this message tonight, please understand that your judgment is, is determined on your heart. What, you're, what you're, you have inside of you is what your judgment will be on. It says, all people, and this is number one for the truth of judgment, all people without exception will pass through the final judgment of God. Jews and Gentiles, believers and non-believers. If you look at Romans 2, 5 through 11, it says that, but because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works, deeds to those, who be pa to those by patience and will do and seek, seek for glory and honor and mortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also to the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. There's something that really just jumps out at me on that um, that I, I didn't catch any other time that I had read it. Uh, what Paul was addressing here was a group of people who thought that they didn't have to be judged because of their uh, uh, et et ethnicity. They were Jews. They, they felt that they, because they were God's chosen people that they didn't have to be judged. But what we're learning here is everyone, everyone, whether you're a believer or whether you're not, you will be judged on that great day. Now, there's things that, that we're going to get into a little bit more about it, but I want you to understand that everyone, it's the second Peter 2 and 9 says, then the Lord, and this is not on yours, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. But it also says, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. It says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give accounts for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. And that was actually Jesus in Matthew 12, 36. So it says believers and non-believers also will be, they, you will be judged alike. 
The believers, there's two types of judgments. There's the judgment seat of Christ, and unbelievers will have the great white throne of judgment. Looking at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We also have Romans 14 to 10 that says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Are you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written. But I'm a Christian, Derek. I accepted Christ in my heart, Derek. Why am I being judged? Aren't we saved by grace? Absolutely we're saved by grace. Absolutely we're saved by grace. But that's not what you're getting judged on. What we're getting judged on is our deeds, our works that we perform here on this earth. That is what the, the judgment for believers are, are, are having to go through. Non-believers also, says the great white throne of judgment, Revelation 20, 11, and 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Sorry, I was wrong one. I'm sorry. 2013. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one to them, according to what they had done. So the non-believer is also going to get judged, too. And a lot of times I grew up thinking that God was just going to throw the non-believers all together into the pit of hell, into the pit of fire. And that's not the case. You know, a lot of people say that I do good. I'm a good person. I don't harm nobody. I haven't hurt nobody. I don't get mad. I help my neighbor. But you haven't received Christ in your heart. You have to be judged as well. And what I want you to realize is there's, there's different levels that you're going to be judged on. I don't believe a, a, murderer, a murderer or rapist is going to get the same punishment as someone who I just described. There's different levels of judgment as well. Going back to the believer, there's also different levels of judgment as well. This is where we're getting into the deeds. This is where we're getting to your, your works as, as a believer. Um, how, what, how you do and, and what you do on this earth is going to be able to give you more of a reward in heaven. And Jesus even mentions it here. It says, Matthew 4, if you forgive others your, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I lost my place, sorry. Anyway, okay. Can't find it. Judgment will be according to their attitudes and actions, which are sure signs of the genuineness and faith or absence of faith in Christ. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. 
1 Peter 1, 17, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to those, uh, to each one's deeds. And as I touched on earlier, it is by grace that we are saved through faith. Not out of ourselves. It is the gift of God, but the heart that is full of faith. Your overflowing attributes and actions very different from those which flow from unbelief. Ephesians 2 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, that no one may boast. Your salvation is locked up when you accept Christ in your heart. It's locked up when, when you accept him in your heart. It's what you're doing here on this earth that you will get your reward in heaven. And I don't know about any one of you, any one of you, but I want you in the line with me. I want to hear the Father say, well done to you. I want to hear the Father say, well done to me. Worship team, you can go ahead and come. So the fork in the road leads either to eternal life or to the wrath of fury. If you haven't yet chose life, why would you perish? Trust in Christ and do his will. For those who love him already, delight yourself in the most glorious hope you can conceive and let everything you do flow from faith. Our belief determines where. Our behavior determines how. Our belief determines where. Where would you be?